0: You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, buenos dias, welcome to Mother's Day service and a Mother's Day sermon for all of us. It's great to have you here with us, I, gr- I send greetings to... All our friends and family, the mighty, awesome Metro Region, uh, greetings to all of you and to our friends up north in the Bay Area, and uh, to all our friends wherever you are watching, especially if you're visiting with us. Great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today's a very special day, of course. It's Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, I've gotten in the tradition that I always preach something about love because... Uh, Really, I think that's what Mother's Day is all about is recognizing the love of a mom and, and, and what a, what a special day it is. Not that only mom's love, because there's a lot of great dads out there too, but, but there's something about a mother's love. There's something about that bond, that relationship that uh, a, a mother and a child has that's, that's really sacred, that's really special, that's, uh, that is, is, is something that you, it's undeniably powerful. And, uh, the, the, the relationship that all of us who were blessed to have moms that we were close to, blessed to have a great relationship with, uh, you know, whatever you're at, whatever you're doing, make sure that today you, you tell your mom, if your mom is still living, and, and I know there's a number of us who've lost our moms. I, my mom passed away a number of years ago. It's, it's a little bittersweet. You know, you, you, you feel the pain of having lost your mom and your mother not being here. And there's something that changes deep inside. But there's a lot of great mothers around us. So if, if you don't have a mom to, to talk to, find one and encourage her and let her know and express your appreciation and love to her. All of us take the time today to send some texts, Make some phone calls and just say, Happy Mother's Day. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like that connection that we have, that special bond. And I think there's some very powerful reasons for that. There's some very uh, important reasons to recognize and to understand. This is one of my favorite pictures. Um... I think I show this picture every year because to me it's like the ultimate representation of a mother's love. Here this young mom is carrying her son on her shoulders across a river to protect him, he's going off to school, not just kind of the epitome of Mother's Day to me, is the many sacrifices and the devotion and the commitment of a mom to her children, and how much she sacrifices herself. And it is, it is in a lot of ways, a, the closest we get to understanding God's love. I I ran across this poem. I thought this poem spoke so well of it. It says, A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion and of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take the love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking, and it never fails or falters, even though the heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns, and it glows with all the beauty of the rarest, of the rarest beyond defining. It defies all explanation, and it still remains a secret. Like the mysteries of creation, of any splendid miracle, Man cannot understand, and another wondrous evidence of God, tender's his tender guiding hand. I mean, that's a mom's love. It's unique in the universe. It's special. It's a very spiritual thing because it creates a bond. It gives life. It is very life-giving. It empowers. It inspires. It encourages. It strengthens us. And so that mom's love that we all have that we that we've received that we've been blessed by is 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 not just like it's not like any other relationship and I think that in many ways it 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 describes and helps us to see something that is sacred that is holy it is that word agape a word chosen by the biblical writers by the holy spirit to to exemplify, to symbolize, to carry the concept of God's love, a a selfish, unselfish, unconditional love that is just given by God. The Hebrew word below it, Ahava, or Hava, is, is the same word. It's a, it's a word that comes from a deep devotion and commitment, a bond between two individuals. It is the love that that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that makes them one, that bonds them together. It is the love that a husband and a wife are called to. It is the love that we experience prayerfully in our relationships, in our friendships, in our families. It is the love. And so oftentimes we're just striving to touch a hold of this. We're, we're like the woman trying to touch Jesus' cloak. We're, we're trying to get close to this. We're trying to grow in our love. And it's a sacred thing. It's a spiritual thing. Love is incredibly powerful you know, I love talking about the power of love and how it changes people and, and how it gives courage and how it inspires and, and how it changes all of us. And, and there are many, many, many stories about that. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a concept, Rav Chesed. Rav Chesed is that special love that God has for us. It's a sacred love. It's a holy love. And I think that in a lot of ways, mothers, mothers exemplify that. And, and they, they portray that for us. And many, you know, they, and that love is, is what makes the universe work. That love is what keeps everything together. It's why God made the universe beautiful. And He gave us all this space to live and to expand and to grow. And He made the creation gorgeous for us. He did it because he loves us, because he cares about us. It's what keeps everything together. How it's down to the to the atomic level, where what an atom holds together. And, and and I know that this may sound you know really metaphysical or something, but that is the importance of love. That is the power of love. It's what it's it's what holds everything together, even the atoms, God's love. We know the classic scriptures in Corinthians, the first Corinthians 13, the whole chapter really gives out such an incredible thesis of love and what love is all about. You know, and keep in mind that that the Corinthians was written because there were a lot of issues in the church and there were a lot of problems and, and there was division and there was strife and there was conflict and there was disagreement about a number of things. And so Paul talks a lot about love and he explains about love because it's very easy for people to, to get misguided and miss the point of all this and not realize they get so focused on obeying rules or what is right or how are things should be and miss the very point of everything, which is love. Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he fulfilled it by loving us. He didn't fulfill it by making everything set right. He didn't fulfill it through righteousness. He fulfilled it through love. And and so we have so many scriptures. People always, most people know 1 Corinthians 13 is the wedding scripture, right? Because that's where we hear love is faithful, love is kind, love does not, you know, those that description. But he has so much more to say in verse one. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, Paul makes it very clear that you may have a lot of gifts. You may have a lot of talent. You may have a lot of knowledge of scripture or knowledge about the world or knowledge about any particular field. You may be super good looking. You may be super talented. and, and But if you don't have love, as far as God's concerned, you got nothing. You got nothing. Because all that really matters, what really counts, what really makes dif- a difference is love. Is love. And the list he gives is, it, is, is actually much more spiritual than talent or looks or money or, or, or skills. It's even comparing it to spiritual things like giving and sacrifice and being devoted and even being a martyr for God and, and giving to others. And yet, if you do all that, in other words, you're totally religious and you're totally devoted to the church, totally devoted to the life of a disciple, but you have not love, you got nothing. You got nothing. You gain nothing. It's that important. It's the real measure of our religion. How loving we are, are we? How, are, how do we love each other through thick and thin? Do we stay there? That's the thing about a mother's love. Is that no matter what happens in a, in a kid's life, you can always go home to mom. You know, the old saying, he's got a face that only a mother could love. You know, no matter how you blow it, no matter how ugly you are sometimes, and all of us, at times in life, are very ugly. We can get very ugly. And yet, mom still loves us. And yet, mom still cares about us. You know, I think about my kids. And they're awesome kids. Sometimes they blow it. Sometimes they do stupid stuff. Sometimes they do things. Gosh, I wish you wouldn't have done that. But I cannot stop loving them. And they are always welcome in my home. And I will always love them and be devoted to them. And nothing will ever change the fact that they're my kids. And I love them. No matter where they are, no matter what their religious beliefs are, no matter what their moral convictions are, no matter what, they're my kids. Nothing changes that. And that is how God is. And that's what we have to understand. But to that that kind of unconditional love, that's the love that changes people. That's the love that, that transforms people. I've shared the story of the young man who was a terrorist, literally a trained terrorist, was going to come into a project we were working on find out information, and, and probably set a bomb to kill us. But he was so impacted by the love in the group, he ended up changing his mind, studying the Bible, becoming a Christian and devoting himself to the Lord and to loving us and being part of the group. Instead of there to, full of hatred and out to kill us, he became full of love and out to serve alongside us. And that's the power of love. How many people have we seen change Because of love. Because somebody loved them. (coughs) Somebody didn't give up on them. Somebody didn't quit. Somebody didn't judge them. Somebody didn't say, oh, that person is this. No matter who it is. And sometimes we get ourselves in so much trouble. We get in a bad place. We get in a bad frame of mind. We get ourselves in a pit that we can't get out of. And we don't even know we're in the pit. Which is the worst kind of trying to help somebody. When they don't even know they're off. And the only person that's going to help that person is somebody who loves them. Somebody who can see through their sin, see through their weakness, see through their ugliness, and still cares about them. Still loves them. Still is concerned about them. He he says later on in the same chapter, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I mean, we know how important faith is. We know how important hope is. But the greatest of these... is love. It is what makes the world go round. It's what makes life enjoyable, bearable, livable. It's what, it is the blessing for It is God's gift to all of us, is love. It's that, that, that important that we love. And we understand that. It's at the very heart of our religion. No pun intended, but what is the how is love represented? Through a heart, right? Because it's at the center of our being. And it's what emanates from us or does not emanate from us. It's what shows that we are Christians or shows that we're not really Christians. It's what will, <coughs> excuse me, be a light to the world and cause us to be a light to the world or cause us to be overcome by darkness. It's what will overcome the divisions and the challenges we face or the lack of it, will allow us to be overcome by them. Love never fails. You realize what a powerful statement that is? Love never fails. It doesn't fail. It wins the day. It helps us get victory. It helps us overcome. It helps us arrive to where we want to be. It helps us make it. It helps us persevere. And we have to to understand that, the importance and the power of love. To have a great life, no matter what happens in this world, to have a great life, it is love. But we live in a world, as you know, that's very divided. It's a very divided world right now, probably more divided than I've ever seen it. And I was a kid watching the civil rights movement in the 1960s, and even back then, I don't remember it being so divided as what I see right now. And we're divided on so many different levels and so many different issues. There, of course, has been the political issues that have challenged us. They've challenged our family. They've challenged our fellowship. They've challenged us whether we'll have the unity we have. One of the phenomenons that that I heard somebody say the other day is, as we come back to -to face-to-face gatherings, some of us are not going to feel the same about others because of things that were posted on social media because of things that were said, because of lines that were drawn, because of statements that were made that were insensitive to others. It divides us. The gender issues that we're wrestling through right now, the role of women, the role of women's leadership in the church. It challenges us. When we see something so adamantly one way, and other brothers and sisters see it, or another brother or another sister sees it so differently. And it challenges our heart to be able to love each other. We get easily divided along race issues. And some will see it one way and some will see it another way. And some will will feel strongly about this and others will feel strongly about that. It challenges our unity. It divides us. During the Civil War, there were many churches that split. And suddenly you had, instead of just a Baptist church, you had a Southern Baptist church, a Southern Methodist church, a Southern evangelical church. Why? Because they were divided on the race issues. We're divided around economic issues. What is right to be conservative, to be progressive, to be this, to be that? And we can get all worked up about these things and allow the world to divide us. And it's not even just the worldly things, even the religious issues of how we look at the Bible and how we interpret scripture and how we see things. We're being challenged to love each other and be unified, despite the fact that we're becoming aware we think differently, even about scriptures, even about how we interpret things, that there's going to be some variance, there's going to be some difference. But can we remain united or will will we allow that to, to separate us, to divide us? We're divided along health issues. How we see the pandemic, how we see mask wearing, how we see the the vaccines. Those things can divide us. One person sees wearing a mask as being respectful and thoughtful of others. Another person sees wearing a mask as being oppressive and stealing my freedom and unnecessary. And, and, And can we still love each other through this? Can we still care and love one another through these issues, these many issues? And you know, Satan is having a heyday right now. You know, there's a war of ideas out there, of philosophies of how the world should be, how the church should be. All of a sudden, it's like everybody's opinions are on steroids. Views and opinions and understandings and convictions. There are people that are leaving the church, that have left the church because of a political view, or because they don't agree with this issue or that issue in the church, or because the majority of the brothers feel this. In other words, their life and their action is being dictated by worldly understandings, and worldly views, and worldly opinions, and worldly convictions. And the question of what is true, and what is fake. And we're not all landing in the same place. We're not all landing in the same place. And Satan is having a heyday. Revelation twelve ten says, The accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night. He's always trying to make us feel bad. And he's always accusing us, or he's accusing the others. That brother is this. That sister is this. That brother is insensitive. That sister doesn't care. This brother. And we, we, it's so easy to do that. And that's what the world does. And it's so easy to slip into the same thing and think like the world does. In John 8, he says, you, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. What does the father, what, what does the, excuse me, the devil's, the, you want to carry out your father's desires. He was, I'm sorry, that was a, ha, that's a, that's a pace that didn't, went wrong. Okay so he says your father your father's desires which he's talking about the devil right not god he says he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies Satan is constantly spinning and weaving. And I know that we generally, we don't talk a lot about Satan. We don't give him a lot of airtime because that's not who we're focused on. And that's not who we're trying to learn from, right? But we are called to be aware of him. We are called to be aware of him. He's, he is prowling, prowling like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. And he does it, why, how? Through spreading lies. Through making us feel deceived. To, to helping us be deceived trying to deceive us, trying to make us buy into lies, trying to make us buy into lies even about each other. I mean, he's always whispering lies into our ears. And, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not paranoid. I'm not, you know, worried about the devil behind every door. But the devil is a real being. And he really is at work. And he really is trying to use. I think he's had a heyday this last year. Dividing everybody and everything on every level that he can. And the world is so divided. He is the accuser of men. He is the deceiver. He is the liar. And his goal is crystal clear. His goal is division. Can I separate them? Can I get this brother and this brother who've loved each other for years to think differently on these political points and now be hurt by each other and now be angry at each other and now not want to sit down and take communion together. That is a huge victory because you know how much work God put into pulling us together and making us into one body? You know how much Jesus sacrificed to make us one He literally gave His life. He shed His blood so that we could overcome the wall of hostility between us and God, but also the walls that divide us and separate us to bring us to one point where we love one another. But Satan's job is to divide us and separate us in any way he can. So you better believe he's gonna use politics, he's gonna use the, the the vaccine issue, he's gonna be use the, the the race issues and how we see race and how you know how we feel about Black Lives Matter or this or that or whatever. He's gonna use anything he can to separate us and divide us. And always he sows to our fears. Oh no, if this happens, then that could happen. Oh no! If these people win the day, then what's going to happen to our world, or my life, or my city? He, sears, he sows to our anger, the ways that we've been hurt or we've been bitter, become embittered over the years, and things that have hurt us. And turns that he turns, he loves turning hurt into anger. He, he appeals to our greed and how, what's going to be better for me and what's going to advance my cause and my needs, and he loves it when he gets to our worldliness when he can get us thinking like the world, when he can get us listening to the world and dividing ourselves and becoming suspicious of each other and jumping to conclusions and assigning motives to each other's hearts and blaming one another and saying, you're this and you're that and this person is this and that person is that. And then he's done his job. He's divided us. He's created a a division. And make no mistake, you cannot love God without loving your brother. He's divided us up. And, and he's set to conquer us. We're in a world of, we're in a war of ideas, philosophies, views, opinions, understandings, convictions. There's a battle out there and it's, it's fought out on social media. It's fought out on media, on the television and all these different ideas. And the number one target, I guarantee you, the number one target Satan has is Christians and the church. Because if he can divide us up. Then he can take away the hope of the world. He can. Disabilitate. He can cripple. The hope that is in the world. Of one people. Who love each other. Who can forgive each other. Who can remain faithful to even. Not only to God. But to even each other. Through thick and thin. If you can wipe them out. And divide them up. And wipe them out. Then he's. He's taken away the remedy. The war of ideas and philosophies and views and opinions and understandings has divided up so many churches, so many groups. And he uses labels and stereotypes and profiles and misnomers and misunderstandings and just plain old ignorance. He uses it all to get us in different groups. And and, and, and not only to divide us into groups, but to stick us in groups and tell us, this is your group. And this is how you should think. And we have to be able to see through that and understand no, my group is the church. My group is the kingdom of God. My group is my brothers and sisters, my family, the family of God. As Jesus said, whoever does the will of my father is my mother, my brother, my sisters, not this group or that group or those people or these people, but God's family. He uses, and he goes after, particularly the spiritually weak. See, because if we're not filled by the Spirit, if we're not spending time with God, if we're not letting our lives be directed by the Scriptures and by the Word of God, then we're easy targets to become just like the world, to become just like everyone else, have the same thoughts, and and we get all worked up and emotional and upset and angry and, and just like the world. And we're no different than the world. He uses the spiritually ignorant who don't know the scriptures, who don't know what God says about these things, who don't know what God's heart is about this. And of course, he uses the worldliness. Worldliness. He uses that against us. If he can sow to our worldly nature, boy, you better believe he's going to do it. And he gets us to be prejudiced. He gets us to be dogmatic. He gets us to be extreme. He uses that spiritual weakness, that spiritual ignorance, the, the worldliness of our lives, and he fills us with the wrong kind of zeal, and the wrong kind of passion, and the wrong kind of devotion. People who are terrorists who load themselves up with bombs and go and blow up the church—don't you realize they want, they think they're doing something great for God? The last thing they say, Allah like Akbar," and they blow themselves up—is God is great. How ridiculous that is so opposite of what God wants. And yet we can fall in the same thing into the same thing, where we become our own terrorists, where we're tearing ourselves apart, doing the work of Satan by judging each other, by labeling each other, by accusing each other, instead of rising above it in the spirit and the understanding and the conviction of Jesus, who loved everybody Pharisees, tax collectors, prostitutes, the rich, the poor. He loved everybody. Those that were pro-Rome. Those that were anti-Rome. In his own group, he had, he had Matthew the tax collector. A sellout to the Roman Empire. A traitor to his people. And he had Simon the Zealot, who was literally a Jewish terrorist. Trying to kill Romans and trying to kill any Jew who was complicit with the Romans. And yet he had them in the same group. And he loved them both. And nobody else could understand that. The Pharisees certainly couldn't understand that. Because they were so busy judging and saying, this is not right, and that can't happen, and this is, I think this, and they were so caught up in their own views of things. They were exactly what Jesus said, though ever hearing they failed to understand, though ever seeing they failed to perceive. Never perceiving. And they missed it. And he said, many will come from the east and west and sit at the table of the kingdom of God, But the subjects will be thrown out. The very people that were reached out to, that had years with the Lord, will be thrown out. Why? Because they're so caught up in their own thinking and their own views of things. Instead of sowing to God and His Spirit. It makes us, Satan makes us to judge and stereotype and assign motives and condemn one another. He pushes us towards extremism. I can't put up with that brother. I can't put up with that sister. I can't put up with those people thinking that or this group doing that or or this person doing that. We don't think that way about our children. Why? Because we love them. And even when we recognize they're in the wrong, we still don't write them off. Even when they do stupid things, even when they do things we believe are absolutely wrong, we just keep loving them. And that's the right thing. Because that's how God is. And that's how He cares. This misplaced zeal, this misplaced passion, these misplaced convictions about worldly things, it's what caused Christians to persecute Christians. Thousands of Catholics were put to death by Protestant groups. Thousands of of Protestants were put to death by Catholic groups for hundreds of years. The greatest persecution did not come from Muslims, did not come from Islam. The greatest persecution came from other Christians who thought differently, who would not tolerate anybody thinking differently. This is what came from dogmatism. Dogmatism is when you believe you're right and nobody else can be right unless they agree with you 100%. And we let our hearts harden. And we let our attitudes change. And we focus on their wrongness and our rightness. Instead of on love. And caring for one another. And being there. Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the, same, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sodas in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's so easy to get worked up about somebody else's sin or somebody's difference, or why does he do this? Why does she say that? Why are they doing this? Why do they think that way? I can't believe that person. We had a rule in our house. If you're going to get mad about your brother or sister's sin or what they did wrong, then you got to get just as angry about your sin and what you do wrong, or I don't want to hear it. First deal with yourself, and then you'll be able to help somebody else. We lose sight of our own sin, our own faults, our own weaknesses, our own errors. How many of us have done things in the past that we regret? Even believe things in the past that we changed our minds? Because we grew and learned and knew better. How many of us were very judgmental 10 years ago? 20 years ago? And we've learned that that's not the way. That's not helpful. And certainly doesn't win people over who are going through difficult times. It doesn't win somebody who's in a state of rebellion or somebody who's in a state of self-pity or somebody who's fallen in sin and isn't ready to recognize it. Who wins those people over? The one who keeps loving, the one who keeps caring for them, the one who keeps praying for them and keeps reaching out And this is not a sellout that, oh, I'm going to act like everybody's okay because even if they're different and they believe in sin. No, it's I'm going to love everybody like I love my own children. I mean, those of you who have adult children, you know what I'm talking about. Our adult kids do things that drive us crazy. They do things that we know better. I remember my son, when he was a little guy, I remember he would run down the hall looking back. And I just said, Ah, he's gonna hit a wall. He's gonna run into somebody. He's gonna hit something, and it happened. And guess what he learned? I didn't stop loving him. I didn't say, You idiot! What are you doing? No, he's my son, and he's gonna make mistakes. Let me tell you, the mistakes adults are to make are a lot more intense than little kids' mistakes, and yet we love them through it. Hopefully, we love them through it. We understand. Paul wrote. In Romans, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Rome had some big issues because, remember, all the Jews were kicked out of Rome. And so the Roman church for a while was just a Gentile church. And later on, the the Jews were allowed back and they came back. But the church was totally Gentile. And you know, they're having after church, they're having carnitas, tacos, and, and the Jewish brothers show up, and they're horrified. What are you doing? What kind of meat are you eating? You can't eat that. And the brothers, and the Gentile brothers are like, what's, what's your problem, dude? We've been set free. Didn't you get the notice from Acts 15 that said Gentiles don't have to become Jews? We don't have to worry about it. Ah, but wait, what did the notice in Acts 15 say? It said, stay away from those meats. What? Yeah. So what does Paul say? Paul says, he didn't say stop eating the meat. He said, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. And he said, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between you yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. See, Paul understood that what's more important is that we love each other. That we're at peace with each other. And peace is not ceasefire. Peace is we care about each other. We are one. Even though we may think different. Even though we may have different views of things. And what was happening in Rome was that the brothers who didn't eat the meat sacrificed to idols or didn't eat the meat coming from unknown places were condemning the brothers who were eating. And the brothers who were eating were condemning the brothers as weak who were not eating. And Paul said, stop judging each other. Stop. It's not about this rule or that rule or what. It's about the most important thing is love. And when your when your devotion to these rules that you understand override love, then you've gone to a bad place. Because what is important is that we love one another. I mean, one of the most hilarious examples to me is that in that back in Acts fifteen, when the when the apostles told Paul and Barnabas, they told them, they said. The Gentiles don't have to become Jews. We are all free. The Lord has freed us from all this. Now go and tell everybody. So Acts, chapter, and Acts 16, the very next paragraph, Paul goes to deliver the news to all the churches. Yay, Gentiles don't have to become Jews. But first he's in Jerusalem. And so what does he do? He has Timothy circumcised. He circumcises Timothy. Timothy was a young adult. He's probably like, wait a second. We have the message saying, I don't have to become a Jew, but you want me to be circumcised anyways? Yeah, why? Because it's what's best. It's what leads to peace and mutual edification. So I can set my personal rights and liberties aside for what is best for the body. Even if I don't agree with it. Because I want the body to be a loving group of people. I can override my personal preferences and be careful what we call personal convictions. Be careful what we choose as right and everything else is wrong. And this is what is challenging the whole world right now, but even Christians right now, especially in social media. It's a war being fought out and the victim, like any civil war, are both sides, both sides. And the first to fall are the spiritually weak and the spiritually ignorant and the subtly worldly because they get so caught up in these things and the latest gossip and the latest teaching, and the latest view and the latest argument. And Paul, with the very message saying that Jews don't need to become Gentiles, don't need to become Jews, turns around and circumcises Timothy. Why? Well, because it's better because the Jews aren't going to even let you in the front door. If they, don't, if they think you haven't been circumcised. So do it so we can get in. And he did it. And he says basically the same thing in Romans 14. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Jesus paid taxes for what reason? He said so we can do what's right before others. So we can do what we need to do and not block the gospel. Not slow down the kingdom of God. Do whatever's best. So whatever you believe about these things, political things, social things, keep between yourself and God. And that doesn't mean you can't fight for justice. Justice is what God's will is. But what it does mean is we can't just condemn each other because we have different views. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. So be careful what you approve. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers They will be called the sons and daughters of God. You realize how awesome that is? I love this. This is a a Banksy. Those of you who know Banksy is, he's an artist, a, a street artist. He does graffiti art with a point. What the world would be like if soldiers fought for peace? Well, guess what? That's supposed to be the church. We fight for peace. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are? John wrote, "Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. If you do what's right, but you don't love your brother and sister, well, first of all, you didn't really do what's right. But more importantly, you're completely off. We. What's more important is how am I loving my brothers and sisters, even and especially the ones who think differently than I do." That my love. I love this. This is one of my favorite Banksy's. I have this one. This one is actually uh, my mask. <laughs> I love this because normally, well, we've all seen that stance when somebody's throwing, what are they usually throwing? They're usually throwing a Molotov cocktail. They're blowing something up. But this guy, he's a, he's a radical and he's a warrior, but he's not blowing up things. He's... Spreading flowers. <laughs> He's throwing flowers. And this is his command, to believe in the name of the Lord of the Son Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. to love one another. This is His command. How loving are we? Are we giving in to worldliness and becoming critical and negative and, and being hurt and disrespected and 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 because this person thinks that and that person thinks that, and why did the church do this? And why is that leader doing that? And why is this person? What is our mind frame? Or is it loving one another? I'm gonna love this person. I'm gonna love the brother who thinks differently. I will not judge. I will not condemn. I will love. They said of Jesus, zeal for his house consumes him. And zeal for his house should consume us. But uh, not political zeal, not social liberty zeal, not my rights zeal, but zeal for love and loving everybody. And the most powerful weapon against injustice is love. The squad has done a fantastic job. The change makers, the change agents All the different brothers and sisters who've been out there trying to make a difference. Trying to spread the message of love. Even in the face of injustice. Warriors for the Lord. They're just like that painting. Throwing flowers instead of Molotov cocktails. Above all. Above all. Above what? Above all. Love each other. Deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah, but Robert, you don't understand. This bothers me and that hurt me. I, I, Believe me, I get it. I have been hurt. I have been tested. I have been challenged. I have been called names by people. I have been sent nasty emails about things I said that people misunderstood. I've been accused of different things. I choose to Love. Why? Because I'm great? No, because God is great. And God is love. And it's the only way we're going to get through this. If we choose to love no matter what. That's a mother's love. She just keeps loving. Even though she can be disrespected, unthanked. Even though she can be forgotten and ignored. And yet, she just keeps loving. No matter what happens. That's the kind of love that this world needs. That's agape. That's achava. That's, that's, that's the heart of God. That he loves us, not according to our sins, but according to our relationship. Not according to our righteousness, but according to his righteousness. That love. And that's the love that never fails. That's the love that reveals true Christians and people whose Allow the Spirit of God to move deeply in their heart, and that's the love that will change this world. My family, we've got very extreme to the right people, and we've got and we've got pretty intense to the left people. (laughs) We've got strong people who have opinions in my family, and I mean my kids, I mean, I mean, parents, and all that kind of stuff. We have very different views. But we all sit down and we enjoy each other's company. We loved each other. We share meals together. We we just love every chance we get to be together. And yeah, we don't talk about politics. And yeah, we don't talk about presidents and, and policies and all that kind of stuff and races. We, we we don't talk about it with because, hey, they're not ready to deal with that. And sometimes I'm not ready to deal with that. So we talk about things that sow love. And I don't mean we don't deal with things. We each deal with things in our way. And we maintain a love and respect towards each other through thick and thin. And we may never agree on things. And that's okay too. What we do agree on is love. That keeps us together. And so be it with the church. That we love one another. Not with any love. Not with ordinary love. Not with worldly love. Not with the love of the world. But the love of God. The love of a mother for her child. The love of a father for his child. Happy Mother's Day. God be be with you. May love flourish in your heart. May love keep us together through thick and thin. May love help us overcome all that Satan throws at us. Buen Camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.